Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at redtailedhawk90, and my co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm the newbie. Uh, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at jadeoxfordrose, and my pronouns are they, them. We'll be making our way through the books one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Today, we have uh, our thrice-returning guest, Kit. Hello, it's me. <laughs> I am Kit. I also go by Kitsy. I use she, they pronouns, and you can find me on Twitter at Kitsy in a box. Nice. Uh, we are continuing our discussion today about the Andalite Chronicles, the third discussion and the final one, uh, because the book is divided into three parts. Um, it's uh it's it's been a hot minute um <laughs> dealing with this book uh not that i mind it's a very very good book um but it it's we we've dug into this quite a lot yeah enough uh, that it's warranted three recordings <laughs> which is six episodes we hope you're enjoying our deep cuts <laughs> To be fair, we can justify it that these are technically three books put into mm -hmm. one. It's so, true. Yeah. really, we are mimicking the original release in a way mm -hmm. for that authentic Animorphs experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that said, you're probably aware of the kind of content we're talking about. Uh, but just in case, uh, some book specific content warnings uh, include. Uh, we don't have that this time. We don't have we don't have attempted suicide or cannibalism this time because Arbron is out of the picture. We do definitely have more body horror than usual, uh, and mm. also PTSD and also Andalite military culture, um, and some general kind of like mind fuckery because the Elemist gets involved. Would you want to give like an unreality warning? Yeah, there's. there's that's a good one, yeah. Um, Thank you. The the characters end up in a uh, kind of dimension that is not quite right. Um, it's definitely in the uncanny valley, uh, so be mindful of that. That's like the majority of this section. So if that bothers you, maybe skip this one. You. Yeah? I feel like I also kind of want to. I say want, but like. You find out, like, there's some weird age stuff here yeah. in this book where they, like, reveal a character's age and we're all just like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. No. But, um, yeah, to, to, to be, for a heads up, there's going to be some weirdness around that. So mm -hmm. nothing under what happens with anybody under age. So, yeah. to clarify that, because we obviously want our listeners to be safe and make informed Honestly, choices. Honestly, like, Lauren, Lauren gets off a lot easier than most of the Animorphs do when it comes to, like, actual, like, physical... Uh, yeah. Well, and, her adventure was only a week long. True. And she does not have the ability to morph, so they can't throw stuff at her like they do with the... She did have to kids. spend a week in close proximity with Chapman. Yeah. Mm. She also was infested. Mm. So... True, I take that back. 
But yes, the relative like is not dealing with the frequency of horror. Like, mm-hmm. let me keep a tally of how many times Marco gets disemboweled. Tally, but, you know. <laughs> God. Yeah, I guess that's a uh, Applegate's way of saying he can't be gutless. Kid, get out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're done here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're so valid. Uh, let's talk it's about really, book three. And I have to crack at least one pun, okay? Yeah, no, you're good. Yep. Um, but yeah, let, let's get into book three with the uh, spoilerific title that you've already heard of An Alien Dies, but which one? <laughs> I'm doing spooky hands, you know. Yeah. When last we left off, um, Lauren and Elfangor escaped the Texan homeworld, um, popped out of Z-Space near... Uh, to the Star Sword, which was Elfangor's dome ship. Um, but the dome ship is being attacked by living asteroids that eat energy. And then the Yurks show up. Uh, and then the blade ship docks with the Jahar and Visser 32, the abomination, boards the ship, uh, knocking Lauren unconscious. Um, Elfangor manages to hit the weapons controls and basically just shoots up into the belly of the blade ship. Uh, and then they just kind of go spinning off into space with a giant hole in their ship because the hatch doors are open. They're losing air. Also, an asteroid is eating them. Uh, also, they're falling towards a black hole. Also, they're falling towards a black hole. Uh, you know, just mm-hmm. normal Animal- things. You know, hashtag Animorphs things. <laughs> Also, correct me if I'm wrong, did they mention the black hole in the last part of the book? Anyone? Yeah, I think they do. Like yeah. they're, they're just like chilling around. That's why they can't get too close, and that's why orbits are a thing. Mm. Okay, because like, I remember... Because like, I, I must have skimmed past it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, as long as you're a certain distance away from a black hole, like you, you, just, you can just orbit it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's like any other gravity, yeah, gravity yeah. agents, you know. Mm-hmm. It's um, oh god, what do they call it? Like, I know there is a term for like when you reach that point of no return. Event horizon. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's it. Thank you. Also, very good trippy sci-fi movie. Worth a watch <laughs> if body horror or horror is your thing. What if deep space was actually another dimension and it's really spooky? Yes. <laughs> so I remember watching that film for the first time and really liking it. But anyway. That's off topic. We return to our good friend Alfangor in both a panic spiral as he's running out of oxygen and a literal spiral as the Jahar spin three wheels through space. <laughs> um, and you know what? I think most of us would be allowed to panic in this situation. No, no air, no artificial gravity. And Alfangor's about ready to give up. Mm-hmm. The Jahar's going to fall into this black hole and Alfangor's just listing up all his list of fuck-ups at this mm-hmm. point. How he's failed to save Arbron, failed to stop the Yerks. Um, the Yerk, sorry, the Yerk Visser 32 from stealing uh, Lauren's body and becoming you know, uh, the Abomination. Failing to defeat the surprise attack of the living asteroids. Of course, that's his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, failed to protect the humans. Failed to deliver the time matrix. And his head is swimming. And there's this... And it's just like bad. He and at this point, he's just sort of like okay. And much like the event horizon of the black hole, it's like it, it's crossing that threshold within himself of fuck mm-hmm. it, I'm done. Mm-hmm. But then, 
while uh, Visser 32, also swooning from lack of oxygen, is being spun around and slammed like they're inside some giant washing machine. Um, Alfango sees Lauren, who's unconscious. And we have this never, yeah, Lauren, the human female unconscious, never to be conscious again if I didn't reach the emergency air supply and use the manual release. And then it came to me in a moment of clarity. I had no choice. When Arbron had been in utter despair and had wanted to die, I stopped him. Because without life, there is no despair. But without life, there can also never be hope. I had no right to erase Lauren's hope, no matter how bad I felt. And so he gets I, his shit together. But yeah, go on, Kip. I really love how they, they frame it this way of him just like, it's not a romantic thing at all. He is respecting that, like, he doesn't have the right to take this person's choice of life away. Just because he's in a funk doesn't give him the right to ignore that she's still alive. Mm -hmm. So it's like every time in the books when he starts to doubt himself or is starting to feel weak or like he's not adequate. um, Like I I made a comment in the Google Docs, like he survives on his hero complex alone sometimes. But I don't think that's entirely accurate or fair to Elfangor because it's more that he might have a little bit of a hero complex, but he always strives for other people more than he strives for himself. And this is like one of the really good moments that illustrates how he's he's a very uh, extrinsically motivated uh, person. Altruistic. Thank yeah. you, altruistic. But yeah, it it and that's a reflection of the kids and the main animals, kind of just like Whenever they're getting to that point, it's one of the others, either the thought of one of the others or just one of them physically being there that is what pulls them back. Because mm-hmm. none of them are selfishly motivated people. And, and that, gosh, I suppose, if they ever do have a selfish moment, they beat themselves up for it. Like, you are kids, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be a little selfish. But, um, yeah, and it's just a nice illustrative moment of that sort of philosophy. I feel like K.A. Mm-hmm. Applegate are about, which is just like putting other people before you have, or letting other people be the reason you do things. Yeah. Like, and, and that's, a, that's a good thing. You know, because she does illustrate it with, it's not just romantic love, but like for more often, more often than not in the series, it is friendship or familial love that motivates mm-hmm. the kids. Yeah. Like Jake with Tom. And then, mm-hmm. like, even in the early episode, Rachel with her friend mm-hmm. and things along those lines. Yeah. I do appreciate, however, as this goes on, that he's having this moment, like, i got to get to the panel. It's fine. I'll do this. And then he gets shoved by Lauren, who struggled back to consciousness because she is amazing. And we mm-hmm. stand. But, yeah, she's not <laughs> only regained consciousness, she sussed out what Elfango's trying to do. And is able to uh, propel him over towards the uh, control panel. He activates the emergency air supply. It hurts, unsurprisingly, uh, as they're both able to uh, start breathing again, though there's still no gravity Yeah, in the Jahar at this point. It's one of those great moments where Applegate, like again, illustrates like humans might be not as advanced as, like, air quotes, not as advanced as some of these other species, but by God, we are a determined and stubborn species. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we make up for it in sheer gusto alone, like, like no, we're not going to die here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they've got air. Chapman's still 
uh, unconscious. They've got no power. And uh, after a little bit of human idioms about being done for, um, <laughs> Visa 3, uh, sorry, Visa 32 is also awake um, at this point. Uh, Elfango's obviously mad about it because he's speaking with a Lauren's voice. Mm-hmm. And uh, at this point, and Elfango's like, I don't know who's going to win in a tail fight. Like, I'm pretty good, but a Lauren's a Lauren. Um, and Vissa points out clearly, like, what's to be gained at this point by having a tail fight? Um, then we have some good monologuing from <laughs> Vissa, just chewing uh, Elfango out. As we do. Um, because Elfang was like, what else are we going to do? Might as well fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, but uh, Vista, the Vista just rubs it in his face that it's Elfang or saying that it's Elfang's fault that, um, for the downfall of Aloran. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is the Vista that points out that the time matrix will give them a way out. Granted, it's on the outside of the ship and probably drifting, but it was held in place with, yeah, no, it's drifting. Um, mm-hmm. But the ship would have had enough residual gravity to keep the time matrix close. And as this points out, the only way to get it is to work together because it is the only way that all of them are not going to fall into the black hole. Mm-hmm. I also did appreciate the detail that Lauren knows what black holes are. <laughs> Much to Elfango, so she's like, yeah, we learned about black holes in school. She's like, huh. <laughs> Basically, uh, the the idea, the plan, is to send a Lauren out uh, with a rope tied to his tail and an air hood, which is basically just like a five-minute emergency supply of oxygen. Uh, to get the time matrix and bring it back in. Uh, and uh, Elfangor points out that doing this will release all of the air that they just released into the cabin. Uh, so this is like, if we if they commit to this, it's the only thing that they can do. Um, Visser 3 uh, kind of laughs at Elfangor for insisting that he be the one to go out. Um, and Elfangor's like, look, you know I'm not going to leave Lauren behind, so you know I'm going to come back for it. Uh, <laughs> I love this. Uh, yes, it seems you are correct. Lauren decided you had formed some pathetic feelings for this human female, but just in case you decide to betray me. Uh, anyway, I remind you, I still have my tail. I can finish your human friend slowly as we sink toward that black hole. Like, damn, dude. I appreciate the... You know, Visser 3, it's just like, sorry, sub Visser, whatever he is at this point, 32. Just like, yeah, you know what? I am the bad guy. Here I am. Make my cohort jump out of a, of a ship. Gonna talk about slowly killing a person while I'm running out of oxygen. I'm just that extra. Yep. Vindictive to the extreme. Yeah, we should have yep. known he'd be a cat person. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> um. They get the air hoods out, um, and they're basically just plastic bags with a small oxygen bottle on them, uh, but it's uh, it's only rated for five minutes, and it's made to be made for Andalites. Um, 
But after five minutes, my air would run out, the oxygen inside my body would expand, bursting every blood vessel, rupturing my eyes, a painful death. I had not explained these details to Lauren. Uh, <laughs> um, we get another thing about uh, Elfangor not understanding sarcasm, or at least not understanding sarcasm as humans use it. Um, and he goes out into the into space. Um, this is a dope ass visual. It is a good like visual. Elfango standing in the pa- the doorway of the Jahar, the swirl of dust feeding the black hole at the far edge of the swirl of star, which is also being drained into it. Mm-hmm. A long, a huge, long arced plume of hot gas was being drawn from the star into the black hole. Mm-hmm. And um, he has this vision briefly of him getting like torn away from the Jahar and falling into the black monster, as he describes uh, the black hole. And then he's just like, Focus. Worry about that if you fall. Not till then. Mm-hmm. Um, and even notes that the, even in the state that the Jahar is, uh, yeah, that um, she's been shredded, but even even damaged, uh, looks like it's potent and dangerous. Even as even as it spins mm-hmm. in space, I find it interesting. Uh... Well, not interesting. It's a little sloppy. The asteroid is just not here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because they forgot about it. I mean, you can make the argument that it's like, well, the Jahar lost all its power, so the asteroid wouldn't be interested in it anymore. But like the time matrix is there. Why would the asteroids not go to the time matrix? Um, well, the time matrix hasn't been activated yet, though. For as far as the asteroid is aware, it's just a dead orb. Mm hmm. Because they it is, kept talking yeah. in the last book, if you don't activate it, mm-hmm. you have to be looking for it otherwise. Like, if mm-hmm. it's activated, everyone can see it. If not, you have to be, like, specifically looking for it. It is it still super convenient. A... It is yeah. very convenient. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But Popping he does find the time matrix. Go ahead. Yeah. It just, how I love the visual of it. Uh, because it, it's as the Jahar is sort of like turning in space. The time matrix is like wedged between uh, the engine pylons, mm-hmm. like rising from the far side of the ship, like a moon coming up over our planet. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, uh, Elfangos had zero G training, um, mm-hmm. and is able to uh, get over to the time matrix. And he's just sort of like, okay, now what? <laughs> yep. Um, it's too big for him to get his arms around, so he figures he's got to. Uh, make like a sling, and then uh, time matrix can be pulled inside the jahar. Mm-hmm. Um, and comments that it's going to work; that they're going to use the machine, and they are the first creatures to do so in thousands and thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Um, we they snug the time matrix up against the hatch uh, because it can't fit inside the ship. Uh, and once more in the, inside the Jahar, Elfangor sees that Lauren is suffering from gradual decompression because the gases that are there to prevent decompression in Andalites don't really work as well in humans. Uh-uh. Um, and so Visser 32 and Elfangor have like a standoff about like, okay, now what are we going to do? We have 30 seconds to activate this before our oxygen runs out. Um, and neither of them 
Neither of them know which one of them would win in a tail fight. Neither of them really know how to work the time matrix. Uh, they both lunge forward. They figure out it's it must be by touch. They both lunge forward and touch the time matrix. Um, and then a really cool thing happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this description. It's so, so good. Yeah. What happened next is almost impossible to describe and surely impossible for anyone to understand who has not experienced it themselves. As I touched the time matrix and searched for it with my mind, the entire universe simply opened up, opened up like a piece of fruit that has been exploded into its segments. But that's not telling a millionth of it. Everything changed. Everything. The ship around me, the familiar Jahar, was suddenly not a vessel anymore, but an amazing array of fragments, each twisted inside out and outside in. Each piece was connected to every other piece in insane ways that no rational mind could make sense of. And from each piece of the ship there stretched lines that curled and twisted through space, connecting back to the Taxon world, and back to the Star Sword, and back to a thousand other places all somehow visible to me. I could see every place the ship had been as if it, as if each of those places were right here and a billion miles away at once. But the lines of the ship were dim and dull compared to the spectacle of the living bodies around me. I saw the Andalite body of Aloran opened up and split apart, transparent, twisted, so that every part could be seen from every angle at once. I saw the living, beating hearts. I saw the muscles of the tail. I saw the way the eyes were attached to the brain, and not just from outside, but from inside. And to my horror, I saw the Yerk slug. It was wrapped around Aloran's brain, sinking into every wrinkle and crevice, sinking deep between the four segments. I could literally see the flow of thoughts and emotions. I saw inside the slug that was Visser 32. I saw the way the Yerk mind drew memories from Aloran and sent back orders. I saw and felt the impotent range of rage of Aloran as he lay helpless in the Yerk's grasp. Like it, it, it continues on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to read all of it, but like it, it's just it goes on for a couple of pages. <laughs> yeah, um, it's he can see the past and the future. Well, not the future. Uh, at this point, um, but yeah, and the de- Lauren's decision to release the quantum virus and everything mm-hmm. he felt, and unsurprisingly, uh, Elfangor goes into it, it's like it's an overload. Mm-hmm. There's so much data. Um, and he describes it like being plugged into every computer ever built, mm-hmm. and how we can even see the timeline of the black hole. Um, but then he's able to sort of amongst all of that of uh, Find the will of Vista 32. And the two of them uh, end up having this battle of wills for who gets to direct the time matrix and tell it what to do. Because mm-hmm. Vista 32 is trying to get the time matrix to take them to take into the Yerkheim world. Um, and this is, um, I love this. This is just, mm-hmm. again, this trying to reconcile with it. And he puts his will of like wanting to go to the Andalite. Uh, homeworld mm-hmm. where he grew up um and he's also aware as this is going on that his body is beginning to freeze as and shut down mm-hmm. um his own body is dying um and then <laughs> here she is our queen lauren is also touching the time matrix yeah i love her yep. um and is enough to sort of startle um uh, sub uh, uh, 32 um, because like Lauren's mind is so strong mm-hmm. um, 
And it's less that she's battling him back, but keeping him at bay so that um, Elfangor can impress a mm-hmm. will on it. Um, and they and something's clicked. The black hole's further away. Um, they're moving through space. The time matrix is programmed. And we have this fantastic chapter end of the last memory I had as the cold collapsed my consciousness was of someone vast and incredible, a being like nothing I could have imagined. It saw me. It saw us all. And it laughed. Is the Elemist. He is a fuck. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's the Elemist or the Krayak. Yeah, that's fair. Because he's definitely de- also a fuck. He is, yeah. Um, like, Kit points out that it, it laughs and maybe he wouldn't laugh at them, but he laughs later at Elfangor, so... Um, he does, mm-hmm. but, like, not in the same way. Mm-hmm. It's like, it could be Krayak or it could be the Elemist. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, we aren't given any kind of indication of the emotion mm-hmm. in that yeah. laugh. That could be the Elemist laughing like, yes, he did it. Mm-hmm. That, that Andalite boy Ooh. did it. True. He yeah. was able to take the control away. Yeah, that was sort of that was that was the read I took on the laugh, mm-hmm. like <laughs> that crazy motherfucker did it kind of a vibe, like mm-hmm. pleased rather mm-hmm. than a malevolent intent to the mm-hmm. laughter. But it could go either way, and I think it's good that it isn't clear in that moment. Yeah. Mostly, it's the uh, the it saw me, it saw us all. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, brings to mind that, uh, awesome Sauron, uh, vibe that Krayak has. Um, but, sure. Yeah. Because, like, it's, again, like, the Elemist might be a bit of a dick, but he's, he's not malicious. Like, he is genuinely trying to do things for the benefit of, air quotes, the good guys. Mm-hmm. Uh... At the start of the next chapter, Elfangor wakes up and he's staring at scene like scenery from his home. Um he sees like trees from home, he sees uh his guide tree um and uh, he he's not sure what happened. Um, but he, he speaks to Halafala, which is his guide tree. Here's the voice of the tree. Um, I love only a handful of trees have ever used words, and even then it could take them hours to say a single word. But Halafala spoke to me as it usually did, letting me know it felt my presence, letting me feel its own strange, slow mind. Uh, and then Elfangor breaks down and cries. And tells his guide tree everything that had happened, uh, and uh, everything that he w- he's ashamed of and afraid of, um, and it's it's like a really potent moment of this kid just emptying his heart to this uh, being that has been there for him forever. And it really does call to mind like that vision of like crawling into like your parents or your grandparents or just like somebody you mm-hmm. care about who cares about you yeah, into their lap and just like letting it all hang out. And I, I say grandparents um, because I think there's something different about the relationship we have with the generation removed mm-hmm. like that. Um, and it's like because they aren't parenting you day to day, 
Mm-hmm. There's less judgment there, and you feel mm-hmm. like they're your parents' parents. They've they've had more practice at being parents, but also like I always loved being at my grandparents. Always felt very different to being at home. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people that can be the case. Mm-hmm. Just like there isn't the same sort of judgment that you would get from your parents. Like your grandparents are safer in that they're regard. They're an authority figure, but they're one that's enough to move mm-hmm. that they're not as intimidating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, and it's great. And it, it has this, like, and this, I think we've all, we all know that kind of breakdown. We just, the how young Elfangor is comes across in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, his guide tree, uh, like, he, he pours his heart out, all the mistakes he made, and his shame and his despair and his fear. And his guide tree uh, forgives him. Oh, it can't forgive him, but you know, he feels like mm-hmm. that motion, but it, it, it can't change anything for him. So, but yeah, was it? I, I knew the ritual of forgiveness. I have made right everything that can be made right. I have learned everything that can be learned. I have sworn not to repeat my error, and now I claim forgiveness. Which is a really good thing to put in a kid's book about what forgiveness is. Mm hmm. Like, you can't just say you're sorry. That doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's an active thing. Yep. Which I appreciate in literature. Mm-hmm. So. He does also point out, too, that even though he knows those words and he says those words, he knows that his it's not actually, it's not done yet. He has not done these things to yeah. claim the right to this ritual. because yeah, he's not he has learned. To go back out there. Yeah, because yeah. he doesn't understand enough. He's not ready to swear off that he wouldn't make them because he doesn't know why he made them. Mm-hmm. So, but, good shit. Yeah, kids, his, good shit. It is very good shit. Uh, he knows that he can't claim forgiveness, but having his guide tree listen to him uh, helps. And eventually, he kind of quiets down and walks away, checking out more of the scenery. Um, He's trying to figure out where and when he is. Um, the Garibah had been alive for 7,000 years. It could be anywhere in that time span. <laughs> um, and he, he, he thinks about how, well, he must have succeeded since he sees the Andalite homeworld because that's what he was trying to get the time matrix to take him. Um, and then uh, just across the way, he sees his family scoop. Um, and he runs, uh, gallops over to it, um, wanting to, to see his parents and lie down in the deep grass of his scoop and find my old toys and be a child again. Um, I ran flat out and yes, the slopes were so familiar and yes, every tree was where it should be. I ran to the top of the rise, ready to look down into our neat oval shaped family scoop and I stopped. There it was, the scoop, a bowl dug out of the ground by my great-great-grandparents and planted with every delicious variety of grass and flowers. And there was the lodge, the blueplex awnings that covered the south quarter of the scoop and kept our things out of the rain. But just behind the scoop, in a place it could not possibly be, was a waterfall. It was an incredible waterfall. It fell hundreds of feet from the edge of a cliff, a cliff that simply stood there. No mountains on either side, just a cliff that rose sharply up from the grass. I felt a sick queasiness in my stomach. 
I was seeing something I had seen before. It was the picture from what Lauren had called a cigarette ad. But it was in a place it should not be, in a place it could not be. It was violating the very laws of physics. This was not home. I tore my gaze away from the impossible waterfall and looked around. From the top of the rise, I could see fairly far. What I saw was impossibility piled on impossibility. What I focused on first was the sky. It was a deep red and gold, like the red and gold of my own world. It was also light blue with fluffy white clouds. And it was green. Stretching over my head was a sky broken into jigsaw puzzle fragments. Here, a patch of andalite sky. There, a lighter blue. And over there, a shocking green torn by ragged bolts of electricity. Clouds drifted through the paler blue segments and then disappeared when they reached a different segment. Lightning in the green sky disappeared when it reached one of the other patches. I had never known what the sky of Earth looked like, but now I could guess. It was pale blue with fluffy white clouds. And I had never known the sky of the Yark world, but now I could guess that too. It was green and torn by bolts of electricity. What have we done? I wondered. And I remembered the laughter of that vast and strange being I had glimpsed. That does make it sound probably like Krayak to me. <laughs> um, he that wanders is such a-, a sick visual. It is, got, yeah. Like three different realities like smashed together yeah. yeah um he wanders around a bit looking for people but he can't find anyone um and Which is probably a bit of a mercy for him uh, mm-hmm. uh, yep honestly um given what happens later when we find somebody mm-hmm. that one of the characters knows mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh he wanders through across his patch of andalite uh and comes to a patch of yerk world um there's a great description of uh just this like taxon tongue that's that comes up out of the ground and then just like kind of flails around uh mm-hmm. oh, the hole in the ground until it catches something and like this a lumbering creature uh with four thick legs toward the back and two turned in f- legs forward with no discernible head kind of walks by the tongue grabs it and then tries to take it down the hole but it can't because the animal's too big (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and it it one it's incredibly uh image inducing uh and two it is very strange and three Mm. it makes me wonder if this creature is <clears throat> is a figment of Visser Three's imagination in the way that some of the other living beings we see are, mm. uh, keeping in mind that Visser Three is a Yerk and therefore wouldn't necessarily have seen any of these creatures. Mm. Um, upsetting thought. Oh, go on, Kit. You first. I think they explain. A little bit about like that we do learn some more of his backstory in the Horkbridger Chronicles. I'm not going to say any more than that, but I do agree with like how much of this is the real Yurk homeworld and how much of this is just his potentially his memory of it or what he has seen in recordings. Because mm-hmm. I'm like pretty sure they do have recordings of like this is what our homeworld was like, and aren't you glad we got off of that rock? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I bet a lot of it is colored by his bias of like the home world was an awful place. And that's why we wanted to get off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because like his mind is twisted with that hatred and that malice and motivation to 
be more than what he actually is. And they, like, I think in a, in a couple of sentences, he even mentions, uh, or, or Elfingor even mentions, um, where is it? Um, it's like he calls it a vile, empty landscape, or, or even that it was like the one of the, one of the nightmare. Here we go. It, it looked altogether like one of the fantasy monster lands in fables that Andalite parents tell their little children about. Hmm. And here's one more little thing is that, True, Aloran might have been controlled by the Yurk, but he is still is mm. still his body. How much of this was also potentially influenced by him and his hatred of the Yurk? Mm -hmm. I also mm. like the notion of one things being shaped by what of them you can perceive as a Yurk, because mm. if you have limited senses like that, that whole parable about the. Mm -hmm people feeling different parts of an elephant and then describing what an elephant feels like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was my thought of it. Yeah. I also am tickled by the notion, because it's like, it was like a taxon tongue. Mm -hmm. My brain goes, what if that's just like an earth creature I can't think of, like a big snake or something, <laughs> trying to deal with a creature from the Yerk homeworld? Because Elfangle wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just was amused by the notion. Like, if it was a slightly different description, it's like, that sounds like a way an alligator works, quite frankly. Just like, <laughs> you know. The, the notion amused me. It is yeah. probably something from the Yerkhome world, but, like, it could just easily be a weird way of describing something mm -hmm. from Earth because we know how the Andalites described how humans look. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a, an amusing thought. Yeah, but um, Alvagor after watching this is just sort of like this is fucking weird, and <laughs> and rightly so. So he's just like, I need to find the time matrix. Um, and then, uh, second thought, where's Lauren? Mm -hmm. Um, so he figures he should go for one of the patches where he can see the Earth sky, um, and that should probably be there. And uh, he's gonna head to the waterfall. Because uh, he thinks it's the tallest thing around. Um, and then he remembers, oh yeah, Vista 32's here. Um, or pro is probably here. Um, and he's like, I need to find Lauren fast. Because he doesn't want Vista 32 to find her first. Um, so heads uh, over to the cliff and uh, eats on the way. Which I love is the thing about how Andalite see grass. Just like, you can literally eat on the move. It's great. Mm -hmm. Um, feels stronger and uh, his instinct was right because as he gets to like the base of this waterfall under the patch of earth sky uh, Lauren is there mm -hmm. um, though the, the visual of like this waterfall falling from a part of a cliff where obviously the reality is sliced through uh -huh. is just I love that but yeah the two of them are reunited and talking about and Lauren doesn't know where they are mm -hmm. um, and um, Lauren didn't go anywhere yet. Mm -hmm. uh, she's like, there's something, this is like where I am, this is like a park back home. Um, and I was like, yeah, there's going to be familiar parts, places you know. And uh, points out, yeah, you're still worried about this is too, aren't you? And just like, they sort of 
Which is like, yeah, Lauren goes, these patches of green sky with the lightning, that's because of him, isn't it? Somehow we made this place, the three of us. We created this place. I stared at her in astonishment. There is no way she could begin to know about the physics of the time matrix. Rude. But yet she had reached the same conclusion I had. Maybe, I laughed. Maybe Lauren didn't understand the physics of the time matrix. But then again, neither did I. Neither did any Andalite, as far as I knew. Compared to the creatures who had created the time matrix, humans and Andalites were equally primitive. Again, rude. <laughs> um, but yeah. And so and, and I was like, so what do you think happened? Um, and the way Lauren puts it is um, it's not like a car you drive through time. I think to steer it, you have to imagine the place and time where you want to go. I think with three of us each having different ideas of where we wanted to go, well, this is the result, part me, part you, part him. And because of how things are, that is when uh, Visa 32 shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's not alone. Yeah, he's bought some friends. Uh, oh, these things make me so mad. <laughs> <laughs> they're so dumb. They're, they're yeah, so dumb. They're so dumb. They're so they're dumb. So, these, these don't make any... They were each about three feet tall and four and a half feet long. Uh, so, like, size of a dog. They were mostly a dark, dirty yellow with irregular black spots, but the head and shoulders were the deep red of the yerk plants. The heads were tiny for the bodies, elongated, almost needle-sharp. The mouths were long and narrow. Hundreds of tiny, bright red teeth stuck out, jagged and wildly different in length and shape. This I struck fuck me- with. This yeah. is fine. This is just yeah. a cool alien. Yeah. Uh, but what struck me as strangest was that the creatures did not have legs in the usual sense. They had wheels. Yes, wheels. Uh, Four of them to be exact. Where the wheels the legs were located. should be. <laughs> Each was not even so the bad. same size. And they're Sloppy not perfectly round. <laughs> so fucking stupid. <laughs> I'm like, there's no reason for it. There's no reason for it. We yeah, see in like a paragraph that they've got wings. I appreciate Elfangle, what are those things? I have no idea. I can't imagine what evolutionary path would conceivably have created a creature with wheels. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah, the Apple fuck? Call yourself out. Like, how? How, how do the, they work? How do they connect to the body? How does the musculature work? I'm just over here screaming in character yeah. design. and Yeah. Uh, you know. But uh, this is uh, Vista 32. And here, he's just like, these are his pets, Jarex and Larex. Yeah. Um... And then he describes Lauren. Mm. And then he describes Lauren as Elfangor's human pet. Um, and uh, Lauren does some trash talking, which is right on. And uh, <laughs> I appreciate Vissa thirty two. So she's like, "Brave little human girl, do you understand that even now my people are on their way to evaluate your primitive world? Do you understand that within a few years your people, you humans, will be slaves of the Yerk Empire?" She's just like, "Blah blah blah." Uh, and neither Elfangor nor Vistadetu know what the fuck she's doing because, you know. Um, and this girl, she, like, it's just like, you think I'm scared of you? And this is just like, yeah, yeah, I can tell you are. And so she looks like she's maybe going to cry. And she literally plunges her hand into the water, just like throws a rock. Yep. And smacks Vistadetu in the face with a rock. It's great. And she, to be fair, Half a page or so ago, she did say that she used to play softball. So, mm. you know, <sighs> it's very good. Just beans it. Yep. 
I'm just like it, I love. He's so irate. He's it's like he was not impressed. He was just angry. So you propel rocks at me. You'll be very sorry you ever propelled a rock at me, human. She's <laughs> so offended. It kills me. It's yeah. like, like it's just fucking awesome. Passion. Like, who throws a cupcake? I mean, really? <laughs> just like you threw a rock. A rock. It's it's beautiful. Just like. Is that whole thing just like people aren't prepared for like the simple solutions to a problem? <laughs> so, also to bring it down for a moment though, yes, like how fast that Lauren and Elfangor have already accepted that like the body of a Lauren is it's justified to hurt that body because the mm. Yerk is inside it. How fast they've already moved on to well, we can hurt this body now. Mm-hmm. Like there's no hesitation. Yeah, I suppose Even once that you is a Lauren's body. I suppose once you see the visual of actually seeing somebody's brain <laughs> with a fucking yerk wrapped around it like that, like yep. I suppose it's like that empirical evidence. Like you're not going to ever be able to forget that visual of like seeing that flow of emotions and stuff. Just sort of like this is our reality now. So we're doing this. Uh, God, I forgot this name of species is called Mortrons. Yep. So dumb. <laughs> it makes me so mad. I appreciate the brain. Yeah, we have this explanation. Oh, do you like my pets? This is what they are. I found them on another world. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought we able to make, might be able to make controllers of them, but their brains are too tiny to accommodate a yerk slug, which is actually quite funny. Um, but he was just like, okay, I'll bring them home as pets instead. Um, well, to be, like their planet actually does get destroyed, so like it's like implied that these are like the last of their species, kind of a thing, or, or mm-hmm. at least somewhat preserved by him. Ironically, mm-hmm. I don't like thinking about nature conservationist. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! He just has like God. a zoo of like all these weird, deadly animals. Somebody yeah. drew them. Fuck, yep. that's yeah, incredible. The, the person who drew these uh, also has drawn a lot of other uh, aliens from animorphs. Um, okay, the way these have been drawn makes the wheels look less stupid. <laughs> they, they look a little bit like the wheelers from um, Return to Oz. Oh. Mm. See, that makes them look much less stupid than I was picturing them in my head. Yeah. When I picture them in my head, I I see, like, big wheels tires. Yeah, me too. That was where my brain was. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah. That's Uh, There's a fight uh, as Jarex and Larix attack. Um, Elfengor kind of steps up. First, he he, uh, taunts Visser 32 like, hey, are you afraid to fight me tail to tail? Um, but uh, the Mortrons are closing in on him. is pretty confident he can take these things. He slices one in two pretty easily. Well, actually, first, it splits into two naturally. Suddenly, the creatures each split into two parts. The bottom portion, the yellow part with the wheels, swerved away. The dark red upper portion simply rose from the body, unfolded leathery wings I'd never even expected, and flew straight at me. Come on, Elfangor, how did you not expect the leathery <laughs> wings from the weird wheeled aliens? Why does it need wings if it yep. has 
wheels. Yep, and Ooh, it gets worse slow. because he slices it in half. Uh, like, Why and, did you get two lumps? Uh, and then both of the bloody halves of the Mortron each grow to complete themselves. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, so now instead of two Mortrons, there are four. <laughs> it's it's mm-hmm. it's a Hydra. It's a it's yep. a wheeled, flying, detachable Hydra. Yep, it's this weird transformer <laughs> Kinder Egg toy of an alien. Um, oh, and they're so just like, mad. okay, we need to run now. Uh, so, uh, at this point, uh, oh yeah, Lauren gets on uh, Elfangle's back. Yep, because he's like, I can outrun them, but can you? And she's like, uh, maybe. And um, she, yeah, I'll his she back. just jumps onto his back, and he's like, "The fuck is this? <laughs> Don't be offended, okay? <laughs> offended by what? Hold still. <laughs> I'm gonna try something. <sighs> it's great. I just like this. Uh, this better not awaken something in me. Elfangle, too late, my kid. Too late. I, I, I am amused that Applegate also conveniently forgets to mention that, like, several times throughout, like, the actual, like, the main book series, they mentioned that the Andalites have very sloping backs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that it would be uh, very uncomfortable to ride them. They just don't mention that here. Yeah. I mean, it, you can also make an argument of, like, emergencies and yeah. she's just yeah. making do. She does. Uh, and it is yeah. sort of like she's, like, literally, like, hugging around him, but she's almost lying down. Like, you couldn't yeah. ride an adder like, like one would ride a horse or it, how you see in. Art of centaurs, but yes, yeah, I do appreciate that he can obviously because of the art stalk eyes can turn round to look at her, while, turn yeah. the stalk eyes round to look at her while she's on his back. Yeah. Um, and she's just like, Don't ever think this, let's just run. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they quickly outrace the Mortrons, they are much faster than them, uh, and then they move into. A uh, human portion of the landscape, uh, and I love Elfangle being fucking mystified by houses, houses and streets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, because Lauren uh, explains that they're hollow. Yep, well, you can go inside them, and Elfangle's like, "What? <laughs> they're hollow." <laughs> yep. Um, it really makes me wonder about like the weather on the Andalite homeworld because homeworld because they're like, "Yeah, we just." build our houses in the ground it's like yeah you've got a shelter for the rain but what do you do about flooding i think because mm. we've talked about like it's being pretty temperate and stuff like that so yeah, yeah. and maybe maybe the analytic load to not you don't uh dig a scoop on a flood plane i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah Good he point. did say it was on a rise so mm. yeah but it's a fair point but um yeah they're looking down these streets and lauren explains that this is where she lives and she's mm-hmm. convinced that she is going to find um, her mum yeah. in her house. Uh, and Elfangor and- tries to warn her. Mm-hmm. But uh, what is there is even worse than what he found. Uh, because instead of her, mo- her mom and dad not being present, her mom is there. Um, and Elfangor uh, had tried to say, like, okay, I'll wait out here because I'm an alien. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Lauren's like, "No, come with me. Hold my hand." Um, and they walk into the house. Um, mm, her mom is hurts. present. Her mom God. answers her. Um, and 
she runs to her. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, Lauren running into her mom is exactly as heartbreaking as Elfangor sobbing at his guide tree. Um, and, uh, like, it's very nice and very calm and a moment of peace until it becomes awful. Um, Lauren, honey, shouldn't you introduce your friend? Lauren frowned. She looked at me, then back at her mother. Mom, this is Elfangor. Don't be afraid, okay? He's my friend. The human woman smiled. Now why would I be afraid? I like meeting your friends. You know that. But, Mom, Elfangor's not exactly one of my school friends. I like meeting your friends. Lauren's face was growing pale. She darted worried eyes at me and back to her mother. Mom, can't you tell that Elfangor is not a normal human friend from school? Can't you tell that he's different? Oh, honey, the woman laughed. He's just an Andalite like any other. Lauren jumped back like she'd been slapped. I swept the room with my stock eyes ready for trouble. I cocked my tail and waited, tense and confined in the narrow room with the slippery floor. What do you mean he's an Andalite? You don't know about Andalites. You can't know about Andalites. Lauren's mother made a face. You know, just because I'm your mother doesn't mean I'm an antique. I do keep up with things, Miss Modern. Your generation thinks it invented everything. You think you kids invented Andalites? We had Andalites when I was your age, too. <laughs> and Lauren uh, realizes that this is not real. Um, uh, that And Elfangor kind of explains that she this is a something that Lauren made up out of her own thoughts and memories of her mom. And she knows about Andalites because Lauren knew about Andalites and had accepted Andalites into her worldview when she imagined her. Um, mm -hmm. Lauren doesn't want to be comforted by Elfangor. She uh, throws off his hand um, and screams at him to get away from her that this is all his fault. Uh, and she runs out of the house. Uh, awesome. And Elfangor. One small side tangent. The mom asks, would you like some pop and cookies? And part of me is like, oh, her mom's from the Midwest. <laughs> uh, not, a, not, a, not a coastal person. Yeah. Most people call it soda. Yeah, but <laughs> okay, basically sorry, her <laughs> her mom is is just kind of like standing there with Elfangor. Elfangor apologizes to her, even though he knows she's not real. Um, she oh offers gosh. him pop and cookies, <laughs> and he's just like, uh, "Can you show me where Lauren's room is?" I just appreciate <laughs> Lauren's mother. Can you show me where Lauren's room is? Yep. So she's just like <laughs> upstairs on the right. Believe the door open a crack. There's a rule in our house when Lauren has Andalites over to play, <laughs> and it's just like the fact that Lauren's not even present, but the manifestation that was created mm -hmm. by the time matrix of her mother is so like on point for like peak mum energy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but so Elfangor goes up to lauren's room like he knows that it's dangerous for her to be out there but he doesn't want to intrude and mm -hmm. figure she should have some time alone that mm -hmm. he can't force her to talk to him mm -hmm. um he uh <laughs> he, he navigates stairs um, 
I just I love his bafflement at stairs. It's just incredible. <laughs> just like I don't get the point. I guess humans just love straight edges and rectangular shapes. <laughs> it lets you do a second level on a house, makes it a bigger rectangle. Guess that's important. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, we have a re- upsetting description of what a bed is, which a long rectangle covered with artificial skin. I hate it. Um <laughs> And uh, we have the description of uh, bound papers we call books or magazines, uh, a sort of extremely primitive computer file. Yeah, which is completely the opposite of what uh, X and Y mm-hmm. had called books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but like, and it's cool, he picks up one of these books, but it's only got words partway through it because Lauren hasn't finished it. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, he sort of takes it. He finds a picture of Lauren with who he assumes might be her father. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I took this picture and held it in my hand. I looked around the room trying to understand this alien girl, but alien things are hard to make sense of. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, after a little while, he heads back out and he hears this thwacking sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of that good onomatopoeia we've come to uh, love and appreciate in Animorphs. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's at the uh, softball field, I'm guessing. Yeah. It's not a batting yeah. cage. It's actually at the field, but she's at the batting mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. And she's uh, hitting softballs. Yep. Uh, she ignores Elfangor as he approaches. Uh, and even even as he calls out her name, she kind of just doesn't say anything um, until eventually she's just like uh, completely ignoring everything that just happened. Says, see, this is softball. See that high spot up there? That's the pitcher's mound. The pitcher throws the ball across this plate. The batter swings and tries to knock the stitches off her. Off the pitcher? (laughs) Uh, That was my last ball. I better go retrieve them. Our coach goes ape if we lose equipment. And she goes off to collect the balls. Um, And Elfangor intuits that she might be upset. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what was your first clue? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and he like he's like, and she rattles off a little bit. He's like, is this humor? It's sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Um, but Elfanka holds out the photo that he found, um, and is like, I thought you might want something personal because I don't know if we'll be able to go back. Um, and she's just like, that's not my house. But she takes the picture, <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. she stops frowning. Um, which I like because it's described as her mouth corners become m- more nearly level, her forehead skin grows less wrinkled. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Elfangor, ex- uh, when she asks Elfangor what's happening, he offers up his explanation of what he thinks it is. Mm-hmm. And then she's just like, I thought it was a time machine. And uh, then we get some good of that multiverse knowledge. Yep. And uh, something that the Time Matrix creates a whole new universe because mm-hmm. the three of them were influencing it and it couldn't make sense of what was needed, so it created it. Mm-hmm. And she figures out that her mom is just made up of her memories and not even all of her memories. Uh, she's just bits and pieces of your memories of her. Um, the more complicated things, like sentient creatures, are probably the most likely to be incomplete. Uh, there's more sarcasm, uh, and 
you know, she she mentions like, well, why is the grass and the trees in the air and stuff like all what it should be? And Elfinger's like, well, people are much more complicated than trees and grass and air. <laughs> uh, but she's sort of stopped listening and is staring off uh, into the woods. And uh, they only go about 50 feet because uh, Lauren had sensed this and it is nothing. It's it, it, uh, the universe ends and it's just zero space beyond it, beyond mm -hmm. that. And I appreciate <sighs> that Lauren immediately goes to touch it. Yep. And uh, her arm reached that edge and curved back on itself. It simply bent in a perfect arc so that her hand was reaching back towards her own face. <laughs> Which, to be fair, and she freaks out. Understandably. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we all might in that situation. Yep. Yep. Basically, uh, they've created a nice big old fishbowl for themselves. Yep. Uh, Elfangor says the only way to get out of here is to find the time matrix and to do it before Visser 32 does. Uh, <laughs> Lauren holds up her fucking softball bat and mm -hmm. is like, let him try and stop us. <sighs> oh, well, I just had a, an upsetting thought. I say upsetting. Mm -hmm. It's good. Also very tropey, uh, given we've yelled, we can always cut stuff, we don't want the spoiling, but how much Lauren is like Rachel. Mm-hmm. And just like that whole, but Tobias doesn't know his mum enough to uh, instinctively do that, but I suppose it's a sign of like, as I said, that trope of liking somebody like Rachel when he is so much like Elfangor. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yep. How dare you hurt me this way? Yep. It's what I do on this podcast, Kit. <laughs> I'm like, have you ever considered this about animorphs? <laughs> yeah. Like, Danielle's yelled at me a number of times. It's great. Let's just twist that knife a little more there. <laughs> yep. Uh, the trick is to twist from the wrist. <laughs> uh, How dare you? <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, they, so they're, they're wandering around. Uh, making sure to sort of keep the whiteness on their right, it's sort of like they're exploring mm -hmm. the edge of it, like the uh, mm -hmm. the limits of it. But uh, again, they find that this isn't neatly divided up. That sometimes there are small, very small patches where mm -hmm. they might find andalite life forms or yerk life forms. Uh, the andalite patches are harder to notice because they're not as different from the Earth-like areas as the uh, uh, stuff patches from the yerk homeworld. Which uh, he describes as being like open sores. Mm -hmm. um, but we see, um, we find Lawrence, they walk past Lawrence's school. Um, and she's like, I can't believe I brought the school building into this universe, but I forgot to bring a grocery store. Mm. Uh, what's a grocery store? A place to buy food. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> bless, because Lauren has only been having like emergency rations of liquefied grass. Mm hmm. Um, while on the Jahar. Um, but, oh, miracle of miracles. And, of course, a teenager does this. Uh, there's a McDonald's. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a Mickey D's. A Mickey yep. D's. And she's just like, I, can't, I brought a McDonald's here. <laughs> um, and then and... we get the fucking Eldritch monstrosity. Yep. That oh. is the, uh, the cashier in this McDonald's. Yep. This part messed me up so bad as a kid. Yep. Like, ah. Oh. 
so they walk into this McDonald's, um, and there is a single person inside the building standing behind the register. Um, Lauren is immediately horrified because the human looks exactly like every normal human, except that his face is covered in red splotches and uh, acne, um, and he doesn't have any eyes at all. I appreciate K.A.'s commentary on what fucking retail jobs do to a person. Yeah. <laughs> Frankly, because like, yeah, the soul, the life goes out of you when you do these jobs. I speak from experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, like, it's just, mm-hmm. it, Lauren created him this way because, one, she never sees him as a person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, two, her friend says that he likes Lauren. Um, but Lauren only ever notices how bad his acne is. Uh, and, and so like, he, that's all he is. Yeah. And that's all he is to her is like the, the, the server that I try not to look at at the McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she like, have eye contact. So he has no eyes. Exactly. Um, uh, but, uh, she is able to get to McDonald's. Uh, Alfango is encouraging her to have something to eat. Um, and she even pays for it. Um, just like even without being able to see, knows how to take the money. Mm-hmm. Um, Elfangor is disgrossed out by McDonald's, which, you know, is fair. Um, <laughs> and uh, I appreciate that they, they head outside and she's delighted to see that um, this is clearly her universe because she put extra pickles on the Big Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they head outside and Lauren eats and Elfanka is suitably grossed out mm-hmm. by watching a person with a mouth eat. <laughs> Between huge gulping, slobbering bites with her flashing white teeth and grinding jaws. Mm-hmm. I appreciate <laughs> I'm sorry, that that's we can't all have elegant I'm, eating systems. Yeah. I mean, granted, the last thing that uh, Elfanka saw being eaten was a tax on eating something. Mm-hmm. So, that's, yep. yeah. And, still. and also she tells him what a Big Mac is. And uh, he'd rather not have known. <laughs> he'd rather not have known <laughs> because, fair. you know, cows aren't really all that different mm-hmm. from Mandalites. Oh, so you just eat these herbivores, herbivores. <laughs> creatures that wander around your planet, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gotta love having an omnivore mm-hmm. as a friend. Yeah. Uh, you're you're uh. the predators my parents asked me told me to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the food does the job. Lauren is sort of invigorated, is able to crack jokes that she didn't try to recreate the cheerleading squad mm-hmm. um, because they rejected her, and she doesn't want to think what kind of mess she'd have made of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that moment, just after that, uh, Elfangle figures out that uh, it's a spiral the universe that they're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why they keep in finding different patches of it as they've moved. Yeah. Uh, specifically, so an it's extra a hyper- dimensional spiral. Yeah, it's an extra dimensional hyper spiral. Uh huh. Thank you. Not yeah, just in you, three K-A. dimensions. Um, <laughs> just giggling over here in Gurren Logon fan. Just spirals. <laughs> <laughs> but um, because it's a spiral, uh, Elfangle's able to figure out that the time matrix will be at the center. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they figured it out, um, so will the Urk. Mm-hmm. And Lauren, who is dealing with a sugar rush, is uh, happy to, ready to go. 